welcome to another edition of LGBT in the ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we have a really, really fun one in store for you all today. Um, of course, it is the Friday after Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a great holiday. I hope you all tuned in to our annual Thanksgiving episode. Casey and I sat down and uh, watched Max the Impaler versus Palm Harajuku from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling's uh, Princess Cup semifinals from earlier this year. Had a blast unpacking it and talking about it and having a whole lot of fun while also kind of discussing our own connections to this. And it was just a really great time, really great way to uh, continue that tradition, I feel like. Um, but Thanksgiving is over now, which means we're back to the regular format for today. And we have a amazing guest in store today because uh, it's Ravenous Randy Myers, current reigning Defy world champion, uh, who is going to be defending his title for the first time since winning it over two and a half years ago uh, at Defy Fight Wave up in Seattle on the 26th. This Saturday, tomorrow, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, um, which also, fun fact, happens to be <laughs> Randy's birthday, as we found out during the interview. But yes, no, Randy Myers, a 20-year veteran in the pro wrestling world out of Canada, based out of Vancouver now, outstanding figure, uh, a figure who uses pro wrestling to spread positive messages about you know, mental health and consent and so many other things, but also a, a real um, just all around performer does so many things outside of pro wrestling and mixes those things with pro wrestling as well. There really is only one ravenous randy myers uh, and i'm very very happy that we had the chance to sit down with him just days before he is going to make his in-ring return to defy obviously he made his return to defy uh shocking everyone just a few weeks ago uh and i cannot tell you how ecstatic i am that he finally gets to get back into that defy ring this weekend and to finally defend that championship. Granted, it's a six-way ladder match that also features the likes of Swerve Strickland, Christopher Daniels, Chaff. Um, I believe Artemis Spencer is the other one in that match as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it's some pretty stiff competition. Oh, and of course, Davey Richards. I mean, come on, who could you, how could one let Davey Richards escape the mind as well? So, yeah, stiff competition. But at the same time, it's an amazing moment to see Randy kind of come back to his his home state side, so to speak. Um, and it was just, I don't know, just really thrilled to get the chance to talk to him about what that means to him as well, so much more in his career. So um, I won't waste anybody else's time. Let's get right into my conversation with the weirdo hero himself, Ravenous Randy Myers. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the ring and I'm very very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who has a long and storied pro wrestling career throughout Canada and the Pacific Northwest specifically finally going to be making his return to Defy Wrestling to defend his Defy World Heavyweight Championship everyone please welcome the punk hunk 
the last judgment of, of of the dungeon. I I can't laugh without whenever I'm. I have to laugh whenever I say that. It's just such a good one. The weirdo hero, ravenous Randy Myers. Welcome to LGBT in the ring. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, darling. Thank you so much for that fantastic, fabulous intro. No, I honestly like. I am very very excited to sit down with you and talk about this. Obviously, because of the timing. You know, we we just saw you make your return to Defy at the last uh, show. Um, and then of course, coming up this weekend on the 20 on the 28th, um, sixth. sixth, thank you. My, no I don't, numbers are bad for me sometimes. Um, <laughs> hey, that's, my birthday. that's my birthday. So I will not be forgetting that. Day. There you go. There you go. On the 26th, you're celebrating your birthday by birthday, by getting back into a defy ring for the first time in over two years since you won the belt in a six-way ladder match at Defy Fight Wave. Um, that's a hell of a way to make your comeback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may have bit off a little bit more than I can chew. Luckily enough, I have a big mouth. <laughs> that that you do. <laughs> no, but I mean, I don't know. The moment that you... Let, we'll start with, with Defy, because I feel like that moment in particular needs to be talked about a little bit whenever you did make your return, like post-match with, uh, with Shaft. Uh, in the ring, and, and of course, Judas Icarus, uh, Travis Williams doing uh, coming in to for the beatdown and everything like that. The way that building lit up as soon as you emerged from behind the curtain, I have to imagine, like just from a fan standpoint, looking at that moment, that that was very emotional, very um, one of those moments that kind of like takes you aback or reminds you of why you do this in a way. How did you take that moment in for yourself? It was really surreal. And it was all, all those things and like almost a little bit of an out-of-body experience, it felt like, uh, to be truthful. Um, I felt like I was kind of watching it from a bit of above, to be honest. It was like, it's been such a culmination of frustration, excitement, uh, anticipation, um, like a two year wait to go back to Disneyland or um, like Christmas Eve was two years long. Um, and to get out there and have that kind of reaction from the crowd, have that, um, have my connection return so quickly um, after being gone from such a long absence, which is something I was, I was scared of, you know, it's like not seeing uh, a loved one or a, more so a partner, you know, for X amount of years, for two years. And then, and then you finally see each other and you wonder, are those feelings going to be the same? Are those feelings going to be uh, mutual? Have we've both grown and we both uh, evolved as beautiful creatures. Uh, but um, yeah, to have that connection return just like that. And to have that warm reception was like, okay, this is, this is home. Sometimes it's scary to come home when you haven't been there in a while. Uh, but when you come home and they're waiting for you with a nice warm apple pie, uh, with, you know, and a big smile and some hugs, then it makes it all worthwhile. You remember all it's worth, exactly like you said. Everything, all the bumps, all the, the pain, and then the, the sacrifices I made, that we all made uh, during the pandemic and the times we were away from what we loved. So it, to say it was overwhelming is uh, an understatement. <laughs> no, I think you could definitely read that on, on your face uh, in, in that moment and just the way that you celebrated with the crowd, uh, 
getting in there and just it felt like you hadn't missed a beat with that defy audience in a way i could totally understand like the fear though that that nerves of like well you know defy has been running for like close to like a little actually a little over a year since the pandemic hit and you obviously haven't been there um and i think that your just the journey that you took fans on in your quest to become the defy champion and finally having that moment right before everything shut down in 2020 um it was a huge culmination but also left a huge gap because of the pandemic hitting um were there any were there points like obviously that that feeling was there uh, whenever you made the return but uh, were there points during that two two plus year period where you hadn't appeared to defy after winning the belt and seeing defy kind of ramp up again that that specifically like made you feel like okay I don't know what this is going to be like. Like, was it, was there any moment that gave you trepidation in specific? Well, it was very like, it is like obviously bittersweet. I obviously want, I, I relate it to a family the best way I can say it. Like, so you see this um, family reunion happening after a year of being apart, year and a bit of being apart. And, and then you obviously want to be part of it, but by no means would you want that family reunion not to happen. You want that family reunion to go off without a hitch. You want it to be everything that everyone's been waiting for. It's not just, uh, it's not about you at this moment. It's about a family. It's about a larger picture. Did I feel like I was missing out? Of course, but I was moving towards something, which is now, uh, which is uh, more like I, I, I have a work visa now. I have a U.S. work visa. So that's something that means a lot of opportunities coming my way and a lot of things like, go time you know what I mean so to have it it was like I said bittersweet but I want nothing but to fight to succeed and obviously uh, uh, be something that I can come back to you know what I mean I want my house to be flourishing I want my garden to be gorgeous whether I'm tending to it or not I mean I think that's the right perspective to to take and I don't think it's always a perspective that that you get in pro wrestling either like because I mean I don't know to me it feels like Sometimes that moment could be like, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Like it's a sort of, and this is obviously from an outside perspective, you know, um, it, it, it can feel like, you know, that moment should, I should be, I should be there. This thing shouldn't be moving along without me. Th- that, that takes a certain maturity and a certain perspective that I think people that are involved in pro wrestling gain over over time is that something that you've that you've kind of taken in for yourself over the course of like you've been in the, you've been let's be real you've been in the game for like 20 years yeah. at this point like so like you've seen it all in a way <laughs> I, i've definitely seen myself evolve in a lot of ways and i can definitely see what you're saying like it used to be I, there was definitely times when i first got on my very first wrestling poster ever and i was so excited that there was my face on a poster and then shortly enough after that, a couple of years of that, you're like, well, why am I not on every poster? You know, you do kind of get that kind of eventually that chip on your shoulder or whatever, or at least I did. Um, times where maybe my name was mispronounced or whatever. I've been called, the amount of times I've been called Ravishing Randy rather than Ravenous Randy is off the charts. And me grabbing that microphone afterwards from the announcer would be like, it's Ravenous and be grumpy about it and stuff <laughs> like that, which is how I identify. So I do see validation in that, but also um i I didn't need to be so grumpy about a nickname in this case 
Um, but now I've gotten to the place where I've been doing some other forms of entertainment outside of professional wrestling since I've had to take the leave or since I've been on hold from Defy. And I've seen my name misspelt on many posters. And now I just think it's hilarious. Now I think like I collect the posters that my name is spelt wrong on. And if there's an extra E or something's misspelt or something like that, or they use a horrible picture, I think that's hilarious because at this point I've, I've kind of outgrown that. I've kind of able to laugh at myself a little bit more and it makes it so much more comfortable. Like being in that rigid place where you're like, it's all about me, 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 or like, not being able to find joy in other people's um, successes, then uh, that's just too much pressure. I, I don't have that kind of energy to make it all about me. <laughs> no, it can, it can suck the, the energy right out of you, honestly. And it, it can suck the energy out of the room as well. Like totally. it, it, can, it can have impacts beyond yourself in that way too. No, I that's totally it. understand that. Were there any specific moments in your career that made you kind of reflect on that and be like, okay, maybe this is this needs to change? Like, when did you kind of start noticing that that evolution for yourself? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think like I so I was originally from Calgary and I trained uh, it there and I was there for ten years and so I became kind of like a big fish in a small pond or whatever. Like I felt like I was kind of king shit for a second, you know? Um, and, and then when I moved away to Vancouver to kind of check out other avenues and stuff like that and kind of put myself into different ponds and stuff like that and kind of realized like, you know, my place in the world uh, and what, and how, not necessarily the, the smallness of that, but like the opportunities within that, the flexibility within that. Um, so kind of, I'd say moving away from my hometown was a big thing like to be able to give myself another opportunity to be seen as not the person I was but the person I wanted to be and the person I was becoming mm. and then going down to the states and with working with the Fi kind of gave me another like tier on top of like who I am like I think wrestlers back in the day used to get that opportunity to travel from territory to territory and learn from each one and bring something new to the next territory they're going to and like kind of build themselves up and become fuller and I found that like for me that exploring different territories um and meeting new people and not getting bored you know not getting stale because that's where i find that i sometimes will get bitter or uh, frustrated is when i'm stale but always kind of moving forward you know appreciative of other people's opportunities and just excited to see what others can do as well so that's kind of where the change came no, i could i could definitely understand that especially in terms of like you know branching out from from calgary you yeah. know like because I mean, let's be real, like for the longest time, Calgary was kind of, at least from a perspective of the United States, so to speak, from for myself, Calgary really felt like the epicenter of Canadian pro wrestling in a lot of ways. And to be a name in that area, I can imagine, would inspire a lot of confidence in oneself in that way. Um, and especially for you, like growing up in Calgary and growing up around that atmosphere and, and the Hart family and, and you're training at the dungeon like like you did. And like you're you I I can imagine it almost feels like you're a part of this like nearly century long legacy that Calgary has there. And and that can also kind of inform the, those thoughts a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think. I mean, sometimes privileges can be a, a hard thing to get over and you have to realize your own privilege and check that shit. Um, like I did train in what would be like the Harvard of wrestling schools in of Canada, you know, like one of the top, top places you can train. And I was very fortunate to be born in Calgary. 
I was very fortunate to be given the opportunities I was given um, and, and, the, and be in the dungeon and be in that last class. Like not everyone got those opportunities and instead of holding it against other people, you know, uh, that maybe didn't get those opportunities to really be like, see what I was given and then to share those gifts and to pass that knowledge along. Because like you said, I am part of this like legacy of, of, of oh, like nearly a hundred years of wrestling, right? So, and all these different people and, uh, and I owe it to them and to respect and honor the training that I've been given and to pass that along and then to continue that legacy. I don't have children, but I can have some wrestling children. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you, you will or do already, honestly, just as long as you've been, <laughs> been around. And I don't mean to like keep bringing that up. It's just like you have like this, this body of work that has like so much to pull from and glean from as well. So well, like, it's you. just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy. Like I've, it has been 20 plus years, but it's like, I don't look at that as a negative thing. I look at that as 20 plus years of great experiences and wild adventures. <laughs> I'm I'm sure there were plenty of wild adventures working in in some of the areas of Canada that that we've heard stories about. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'm, before we move, because I do want to talk a little bit more about Defy, a little bit more about you know training in Calgary and and, and Stampede. But you brought up privilege earlier, and I feel like that is a very um appropriate name for for like what we're talking about here because we don't necessarily get to talk about like privilege in terms of the pro wrestling world in the way that that that, that you just did like i feel like privilege gets provided to you know talking about cultural topics a lot more so than than how they might carry over to pro wrestling obviously we do see some of that bleed over though especially with the rise of the amazing explosion of LGBTQ pro wrestling names that we've seen in recent years. There's been more open conversations about, you know, um, straight passing and about, you know, privilege when it comes to gender and, and sexuality and race and all these intersections there. But to have that idea transplanted into like your experience in pro wrestling in the way that you described is a really interesting dynamic, I feel. Yeah, I feel that there is definitely opportunities that are given to, it's, it's obvious that certain opportunities are given to those and privileges can come with, whether that be like position in life, whether that be positioning the culture, whether that be your body, whether that be your athleticism, whether that be kind of these natural gifts that you were given or gifts that you worked hard to horn. Um, so privilege can come from a, a bunch of different places. The opportunity to even horn those skills. Uh, I wasn't an athletic kid growing up. I had uh, the DNA structure to be athletic, but I didn't have the, uh, the I don't know. The, I, I was an artsy kid. I was a depressed, <laughs> anxious kid who was always in my head. So sports was very hard for me. Um, but I had the, the privilege of having a, like a tall, athletic, lean frame, which was easily enough to cross over into sports at a later age. I started training. I've had been doing it for 20 years now, but I started when I was 17. Uh, and that sounds young, but if you've never done any sports up until that age, I wrote essays rather than doing gym class. Like I, I stayed away from all that stuff. Um, so the fact that I had the privilege of being, having an athletic frame definitely gave me a one up there. So privilege can come in all sorts of different places, you know, being in Calgary, that's a hundred percent a privilege. If I was born in Brandon, Manitoba, uh, 
I wouldn't have been able to go to the same wrestling schools or been able to be trained under the same prestige that I was in Calgary and have those opportunities right at my doorstep. Um, and I saw like in 1999, I went to my first independent wrestling show, it was Stampede Wrestling and that's a big deal. That was, and then I could see, I saw the commercials from there to go to Teddy Hart's pro wrestling camp, which is another thing that was like, just, it was a 15 minute drive. So I see like people even right now, there was a show this weekend where kids are driving in from the island, taking ferries, spending their whole, like a six in the morning ferry to come set up a ring to maybe get paid $50 for a match where they play a clown. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. Those are the dues that you pay. Um, and those are the kind of like the privileges that I had just having things up right at my doorstep. So you get those things, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like pro wrestling is, is doing enough to like understand those privileges and properly check them and address them? so to speak. And that might be too large of a purview, but, but in, in your view, I just like all the further, the motion we've seen towards people of different uh, diversity so far. And uh, I think just the acceptance from the fans is really what it is. So I think we've got, we've come so far. Like I've seen a lot, uh, especially coming from Calgary's uh, kind of a little bit more of a conservative place. Um, so I grew up around those kind of more conservative values, not it within my own family base, but from around other places. Um, so I've seen so much growth in that. Like I've seen now that you can be an openly queer character and not necessarily be the heel. You know what I mean? And you can mm -hmm. be cheered. You can be uh, revered. You can be, um, somebody that people are even let as far as messed up as this is to say, but are willing to like, let their kids come get autographs from and stuff like that. And let their kids wear your t-shirt and stuff like that. So I have seen lots of motion towards, is there enough? No, I don't know if we'll ever have enough in any uh, entertainment. And like, it's, I think an endeavor we always have to be continually moving forward on. Cause I think as soon as we stop moving forward, we'll stop moving backwards. So. No, I mean, you're right. You're right. I mean, you bring up the fact that like the fact that people, we have to even like characterize this as like, parents are are fine with their kids going to queer characters to get autographs like here in the states like we still have a number of promoters that you know won't book openly queer people or queer characters because they're like they don't believe it to be family friendly quote unquote so like it, so like we still have these like walls to push against in that way which i you know it's i your expression says it all it's incredulous to think about honestly <laughs> It is, but like, see, I was like, I was raised by my single mother. Uh, my dad and her got divorced very young and he wasn't a big part of my life. And I was raised by my mom's gay male friends. So the idea that gay isn't family friendly, it, it counteracts my brain entirely. That's who raised me. That's who was there for me. That's who read, you know, bedtime stories to me. That's who watched cartoons with me. That's who made me Christmas dinner. That's who laughed at my dumb jokes and encouraged me to be the weirdo that I am today. So the idea that it's not family friendly is like so out of my world and what I can bring to this world, you know, because it's so, it might be, that might be so ingrained in some people's brain, but so not ingrained in mine that maybe we can meet in the middle and hopefully find some gray area and move things along. <laughs> no, I, I'm definitely with you on that. Like there needs to be a better understanding of these communities and, and the people within them, you know, and, you know, hopefully we get to a better place sooner rather than later with a lot of that stuff, honestly. Um, 
yeah oh yeah we're de- there definitely are strides being made obviously um talk to me a little bit about starting out like you you, you brought up that you started training at 17 with with, uh, with uh, stampede in the dungeon there the fame dungeon mm-hmm. um i want i'm curious whenever you, you started out speaking about the the conservative kind of cultural climate of calgary in that way like when at 17 whenever you're starting out in pro wrestling are you already kind of understanding your own identity heading into that as well and how is that impacting your decision to go in there like is there any fear is there any hesitation about that at all well i think like this is another like can of worms or just a big conversation um mm. so like i'm i'm i consider myself pansexual so i i'm and i could basically butch up you know what i mean i know i I knew i needed to do that and i think that's probably where a lot of that chip on my shoulder came from was was not showing my full self and having to hide part of who i was and having to only show the one side because i was i had fear of the other side there was definitely lots of uh like slurs going around when I did my training. Um, you know what I mean? And slurs used to fire me up. You know what I mean? Getting called things to like try and light that fire under you, which is kind of something that would be done in wrestling to try and like get that next level of aggression out of you by making you really angry, um, which worked in some cases. Like I think I have good punches because I got called slurs. I don't, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't know how to take that. So I have like, I have good punches. That's cool. But it came out of the place of, of, of hate speech, you know? Um, yeah. Would I have good punches without that hate speech? I don't think I would. So do, am I thankful that I have good punches? Yes. Am I thankful for that hate speech? No. Uh, so it's, it's, it's complicated. Definitely. And I think the more I was able to kind of like show my true self, um, the more I felt, comfortable and the less I was grumpy. And so it was a lot of that. There was a like straight coding that I was doing, you know, and needing to do or felt that I needed to do because I was already openly at that point, I was openly bisexual um, in high school and stuff like that. Didn't think anything of it. Nobody cared. When I first came out, nobody cared. All my friends were like, yeah, whatever. I was like, it wasn't that much of a shock. And nobody, all my friends were approving and super rad. Uh, but then I knew when I was moving into a more masculine environment, which is something I'd never been in before. Like I say, I never did sports or anything like that. I was always the hung out with the weirdos and stuff like that. Um, so then that was definitely a place where I did fear that that was it. Cause it was always the jocks and stuff like that who would pick on me, um, and would kind of sniff, sniff out my queerness and then be able to like pick on me for that and stuff like that. And that was where I would receive like death threats in high school and did have like bullying and uh, yeah, all those kind of things. Terrible, horrible things that I wouldn't wish on anybody. So the idea of putting myself in a vulnerable situation and then making myself more vulnerable was pretty terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And, and you know, I don't know, like it's interesting to hear that like, sort of internalizing this environment and and the, the slurs that were around it kind of fed into your development of certain aspects of, of your of pro wrestling and that sort of thing but also i'm sure it impacted things as well outside of just pro wrestling but i mean it's just i don't know it, 
because I feel like that internalizing that sort of thing is something that is would sound very familiar to a lot of people in the community um, and, and using it as motivation in a way, but at the same time, you know, and this kind of factors into a lot of the stuff that you talk about around mental health as well in, in, in your pro wrestling presentation and beyond, it can also just create this like latent trauma that just kind of sits there and can pop up at times that whenever you least expect it. For sure. And I've definitely had times like that, like, ooh, why did that, why did I react that way? That was a very strong reaction for something that was smaller or something like that. And having to dissect where did, like unpack, where did that come from and stuff like that and still have those things. There's still times where I'm like, ooh, I got more triggered by that than I, than uh, like what was, what's behind this kind of thing. And I need to check that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you, when did that start kind of getting better for you so to speak like not necessarily in terms of like your presentation and ring and when you started embracing more of yourself in that way but when did it start getting easier for you to kind of not have the the impulsive reaction and and more so like okay where is this coming from what can i do with this like what should i do with this i think it was like i did a promo I was um, really suffering with some mental health issues and I did a promo about surrounding my depression and it was the first time I would kind of ever been like um, like Theo Francon which is my real name I in front of a crowd I'd, I'd always been ra- ravenous Randy Myers the punk hunk the cock of the walk who always rocks the hawk I was always kind of like this caricature and so to come out and to be sincere and let things come right from my heart and to have that be the promo that people cared the most about where I went out there and I was vulnerable and made it like the connection I made after that was far deeper than any connection I ever made by any like slick sounding rhyme word, rhyme filled promo, you know, uh, rock influenced trying to, you know, anything like that when I was trying to put something on. So kind of as soon as I could add another layer of me to my wrestling kind of, and like realize that I have this platform and I can use it for more than kicks and punches. And that was kind of where I was like, oh, maybe that there is something that I can like do within this avenue. And then it kind of just gave me a new spark and kind of like new direction, I would say, kind of like evolved my character and was like, oh, maybe this is what I'm here to do. <laughs> no, it's it's an amazing moment to have that realization, I can imagine. I was I said it as a part of a promo that was like going to be like me stepping away from the ring. And mm. then as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, but this is this is what I want to be doing in the ring. This is why I'm called to the ring. So luckily enough, I didn't end up saying anything. We didn't do a fake retirement, but uh, yeah, it worked out. So you got to sometimes find those things. And sometimes you got to get pushed to that right to that limit where you don't know. And then like do some self like reflection and see what is behind this. No, a hundred percent. I mean, everybody has like this, this sort of breaking point, so to speak. And, you know, it sucks that, people have to be pushed to that point sometimes to to have the 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 switch hit but at the same time like it if you are going to experience that it's good to have a takeaway from it totally and i'm lucky enough to have a place where i can express myself um so whole wrestling is so great for that where you can be so loud and so big and so yourself and emotions don't need to be small we have to hold back our emotions and make them so small so often and not like only show a bit of how we're feeling. How are you doing today? I'm fine. 
no one's ever, I don't know if anyone's ever been fine. That doesn't, you know, like it's, <laughs> we can't ever have those places. Uh, but wrestling, you're allowed to turn it up to 13 and it's embraced to turn it up even higher. So the fact that we have this place where not only the wrestlers, but the audience can be so engaged um, is therapeutic. And I, I, I need it. And I think it brings so much to so many of us that are struggling with just life in general, you know? Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. Like there's a reason why I think so many people within, you know, so many people as a whole, but also people within, you know, marginalized or underrepresented communities latch on to pro wrestling and certain personas in pro wrestling because they see empowerment through it. They see someone that they can either like aspire to be like, or someone that they can point to as like, okay, well, this is a person that understands me in a way. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I found those two characters through wrestling, and I didn't find any that were exactly what I was looking for when I was young. And so I was like, well, I guess that's my duty then. All right, Jens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Who were the, the characters that came closest to that for you growing up? Uh, definitely, like, the ones who were showing a little bit more, like, like I like a Jeff Hardy that was a little bit more uh, artistic with his presentation. Um, Mick Foley is my number one. Uh, just that like raw emotion and that like blending of reality and and character kind of. But like I don't know, he just seems so truthful when he's out there. That is like no matter what he's doing, it feels like it's like authentic. And and that was kind of what really struck me is like a, here's this like almost like actor, almost like performance artist basically you know what i mean that's going out there and showing like some of those like early promos with jr where he's talking about being bullied and like how he was different and how he was an outsider and stuff like that really connected me to this character and then 
I was growing up and watching wrestling right at the time when it was like he was on that rise to becoming the champion and stuff like that. So to see somebody that you wouldn't, everyone else was so muscle bound and so beautiful looking, to see him getting that kind of gold ring um, and that thumbs up. And because it was like from the crowd, because there's people that loved him so much and from not about pecs, not about abs, but about connection with the fans and also like empowerment. So that was kind of where I was like, okay, yeah, that was the thing that like ignited that spark in my heart. Mm-hmm. Is that why you wear the, the flannel totally. in the ring? Yeah. yeah, the flannel is to represent, yeah, Foley. And then I've also been fortunate enough to do some work with Piper before he passed on. I did mm-hmm. a reality show and he, I learned a lot from him. So it just feels like apropos to wear that, to wear the flannel. It's kind of the tartan as well as the Foley. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it makes total sense. I mean, the, the two legends there that that speak to something special for for you and so many other people i know and i do this is where i will step back for a second and just speak as a even i'm a journalist but also let's face it anybody that gets into pro wrestling they're a fan at heart honestly um the first time i saw you live was like when i first moved to portland i think it was a doa show you wrestled drexel in a death match that was like just the goofiest death match that I've seen in a long, a long time. And it was like literally the first Portland wrestling event I've gone to. And the, the, the one thing that both myself and my spouse kind of took away from that was the fact that you had constant uh, consent is sexy on your flannel, which obviously now like look like knowing more about you and, and learning more about you. I see, I understand why the messaging mixed with with this and and why that is so much a part of of ravenous randy myers in terms of a presentation what what inspired you to start doing like the the these these sort of sayings on on the flannel as well basically it was like like i said like i got the stage and i wanted to like kind of speak and it's hard i don't always get mic time and it's it's a lot to ask always for can i get a little promo or something like that and sometimes you don't need to say it sometimes it's just wearing it um that can that can speak so loudly you know what i mean it gives yeah people something to see and like uh, if i'm going to be a bulletin board i don't want to be a bulletin board for nike or for some corporation i want to be a bulletin board for messages that i truly believe in and something that can maybe like i don't know if it can like connect me with one person or make another person feel more comfortable there or like just bring a message of positivity within such a wild world of hyperviolence I think it's just isn't such a nice contrast um and yeah consent means a lot to me and consent is wrestling consent is wrestling 100 percent we the fact that there has been fallout with wrestlers not understanding that boggles my freaking mind because they would be the same the same people that did all these horrible actions are the same ones that would be like I can't take a pile driver tonight brother my neck's in bad shape or whatever and they expect the consent from you on how to treat their body so I think that, that wrestling is such a good lesson in consent if you pay attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, a hundred percent. I mean, that like that's the entire crux of this whole like working arrangement is putting exactly. the trust in other people and understanding each other's like hard lines on certain things on any given day. Exactly. It's all about safe words. That is the whole thing. Like it just <laughs> that's why I think it works so well within like the LGBTQ community. It's so like that it's so much. Like it just it, it works so nicely. And I love 
that that message. So that's part of the reason I have it on there because I love it too. Mm. No, I, I, I think I know myself and my spouse really appreciated seeing that because like, I think that was one of the first few events that I ever took my spouse to because like, unlike me, my spouse didn't grow up a big, like really engaging with pro wrestling at all. And so like to see that they're like, okay, there's something that I could hold on to there. And yeah, so it was just really awesome to see. And I don't know, it was, it was surprising to me just, you know, watching, watching and covering wrestling for as long as I have to to finally see just something just upfront like that. just like, yeah, that's the message. Like it's a hundred percent. Like, why can't we have more of this stuff going on here? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easy enough to do. And I just, yeah. But it took me how long to do it. You know what I mean? It's so yeah. simple. And then it took me 17 years into my career or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, we're all on our journey. We all have yeah. our evolutions. We all have our moments of, of recognition, you know? Okay. And that kind of leads into my next question, because like, we talked about the fact that, you know, you had this this realization about, about um, in, in, during the promo and about the, what you wanted to be in pro wrestling. When did you start kind of recognizing that you didn't have to put up this like butch straight passing sort of mentality in, in the ring as well? I look back and I say that I was trying to do this, but I was the least butch butch. Like there was always so much <laughs> camp. You could see it right through. Like it was, I might, I could be trying to put on whatever I want, but it's so obvious. Um, did it all go into the mohawk? Yeah, exactly. It was all, <laughs> all straight up there, right? Um, yeah, I'm doing two hours of primping on my mohawk before a match and I'm acting macho, sure. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm strutting. And yeah, no, of course. Um, it, it all came with just being more authentically me. I thought that like wrestling was, I think I was putting on a front and like building up a mask and maybe something like I was quite hurt when I got into pro wrestling. Like I was quite... Um, just had a, my first heartbreak. I wasn't doing well in school. I was really suffering with some like, just finding who I was. And so I think I was putting on this mask for a long time. And then sort of kind of like, as that mask slowly kind of chipped away, whether that be like through the depression or whether that just be through my own zany impulses that would come out and in a strut or whatever, uh, but the final step was definitely Defy. It was definitely that first match where I came out there um, and, and I wrestled Douglas James and, and the, the crowd chanting sexy bitch at me. Uh, they, they saw it in me. They saw me do a strut. They saw me uh, playing up my character. I came out to edit James. I think that was the first time I came out to edit James. And it was just, um, it was a new market and a new market that I kind of trusted and I wanted to like, okay, I'm sick of coming out to Danzig or some of this like heavier, you know, it was, let's be a little bit more authentic here. And let's, I think I, the confidence to try myself out a little bit more. And then when I did that, then the reaction was like, oh, so the one time I was vulnerable with showing off my mental health issues, I got this outpour of affection and reaction for and connection that I was always uh, looking for. And then when I came out about my, my queerdom, uh, and everyone was like um, more embracing about that. So it's just the more authentic I can be, I find the more I get out of it. It's just the more I put in, the more I get out, but it's the more me I put in. And that took a long time to come to. Mm. Do you feel like kind of reaching that point 
also came with like a um, a certain respect from the audience as well. Like obviously, like when you first started out, the attitudes towards LGBTQ identities in the pro wrestling world were vastly different than they are now, or even whenever you made your Defy debut years ago. Yeah. Um, do you feel like we had to get to this like cultural point where those identities aren't taken as like a joke or as something to be um, reviled or something like that to, to get that sort of respect from an audience like the Defy audience, so to speak? Totally. I think it definitely was a like movements within culture that um, I don't think it would have just been if I'd gone to Seattle for my in 2005 or something like that. I don't think that would have been the same thing. I think it was like timing, right time, right place, right the cultural movements and stuff like that. I've gone back and wrestled in Alberta and I find still, and maybe it's me, but I'm not quite as comfortable there to be as outlandish as to be fully me. Um, I feel still a bit of a, a block there, whether that's again coming from me or coming from the fans, I don't fully know. And it's something I need to explore and would love to figure out. Um, but I definitely feel that the more, like I, I work more, I'm a more West Coast kind of performer. I, I find uh, these are the places I find home, but um, those are also the places where it's easy to do that, easier to do that kind of work. So maybe there's bigger, um, maybe there's bigger impact when you're doing it in other places. I mean, I think there definitely can be either bigger or or different impacts, obviously, in, in areas that aren't more catering to LGBTQ audiences in that way, or just in, have different ideas of LGBTQ communities. But I'm, at the same time, like there is this, this sense of of home and and comfort that can come from from these sort of things that you want to have you know and i feel like looking at your career vancouver has really become that wholeheartedly yeah it definitely has like in canada vancouver is definitely the place that is the most is a progressive place is a place that's safe for a place where artists can kind of find each other uh it's hard as fuck to make it money wise here but at least we're all <laughs> suffering together you know we can commiserate together as artists and there is opportunities here where um growing up in alberta maybe it was i wasn't part of the scene there and wasn't fully me i wasn't fully formed so i wasn't be able to be bring all myself to different scenes and stuff like that but i've been so embraced by different scenes out here whether it be the comedy scene or improv scene or uh different performing art scenes that it just feels like this is home and, mm. and Seattle, the West coast is my home. Like I found like, whether it be going down to hood slam and Oakland or whether it be uh, Portland or whether it be uh, Seattle or whether it be Vancouver, like this whole West coast is like definitely my vibe. I love, I feel like at home in all those places. No, it definitely, it definitely has a vibe for yeah. sure. And I, <laughs> I can definitely understand that you just, you just hit a different track when you, when you get out this way. Yeah, for sure. I'm a weirdo and weirdos are West Coast. We know this. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but speaking of like the upper the other opportunities that, that are afforded in Vancouver, like you're this is not just a pro uh, a pro wrestling thing for you when it comes to like performance art either. Like you like you mentioned, like you you're doing stand-up now, you're doing improv, you you've done a, some burlesque shows, like you've been a judge for uh, for drag competitions there in, in Vancouver. Um, 
like when did the when did you decide that this is something that you wanted to do and start branching out into these other areas of performance beyond pro wrestling well to be honest so i have have struggled with adhd for my whole life so focus has been a really hard thing for me and also like just sticking to a plan so when i i'd always wanted to be a performer growing up and an entertainer i'd always loved the uh, kind of just making people smile and uh, getting a reaction out of a crowd and being wild. So I had this like large to-do list when I was a child of, I'm going to make horror movies. I'm going to be in a punk rock band. I'm going to be a professional wrestler. I'm going to be a stand-up comic. I'm going to do all these things. And then I realized when I was 17, I'm like, oh, I can't do all these things at once. And I wasn't doing any of them. I was just thinking about all of them. So I was a theater kid and I got kicked out of drama class. So that was kind of my main focus was drama. And I was in drama class, started pro wrestling there, which not so much allowed to do. Uh, so eventually got kicked out of the class for pro wrestling. And my mom asked me, well, now what are you going to do with yourself? And I, that's when I got into pro wrestling. I took an improv class at the same time. I went to improv school and all the people in improv class were 35, 40. Then I went to the wrestling class and everyone was like 15, 16. So I'm like, okay, so you got to do wrestling first. And then you can come around to do improv because I'm like, you can't start wrestling when you're 40. I mean, you can, but it's a lot more challenging. Um, so I'm like, okay, so I'll do wrestling first and then I'll move on to, I never cross those other things off my to-do list. I just kind of put them forward. And then I was like, once I'll, I'll wrestle till I'm 25 and then I'll move on. And then I'll wrestle till, I guess it'll be 30. And I guess it'll be 35. I guess it'll be, I don't know where that number ends now, <laughs> but um, I figured I wanted to start planting some of those seeds because unfortunately you can't necessarily wrestle forever, but I definitely want to entertain for a little bit longer. Then I can like push that a little bit and tell stories. And so, yeah, stand-up comedy has always been something that meant a lot to me and always was kind of like something that I really like looked up to. I've always loved comedy and just the, the idea that you can be another place where you can be free and hundred percent yourself and truthful and if you take that opportunity to be so and to talk to an audience and pass along messages of positivity with silliness and so yeah I, it was something i just decided uh, i was going to do and so the year like 2019 I, for my birthday that year i decided i was going to start doing open mics and then the pandemic kind of hit right after that and everything closed down so then i started doing some zoom stand-up comedy shows which were uh, brutal and then, uh, and then I started doing like just some amateur nights and some um, open mics and stuff like that. And since then, I've been like embraced in the community. And now I work at a comedy club doing the sound and lighting and stuff like that. So I've been like trying to make all sorts of connections, meet all sorts of different performers who are just, we're all like-minded. We're all the same. And I love that. No, it's really awesome to, to see like this sense of community that gets built up around art. In, in performance in that way and and also just to see pro wrestling kind of get accepted into that community so to speak because we haven't really seen that happen a lot in in the history of of the relationship between pro wrestling and other art forms that's exactly what i'm trying to do and trying to like kind of blend those together like wrestling is art we've known that for a while but it's uh, for a long time that message has been out but we can really like blend it together and it's fun to see like what we can create when we mix this art form with that art form and yeah accepting who we are wrestling's always been that outsider right it's not quite sports it's not quite theater it's kind of in this its own place but we're artists and i think the embracement of that and acceptance of that of myself 
has definitely made me make all sorts of new connections that are so fun. <laughs> and of course, like that, that connection kind of brings me to, to two projects that I really am interested to talk to you about as well. Um, one being the Weirdo Hero uh, series that you did on, on YouTube. Um, wow. But I, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's a, it's a powerful piece touching on, on themes of mental health and and the the struggle of you know trying to make it not just in like the pro wrestling world but really any entertainment world and how those two things interact in a lot of ways um and i don't know like talk to me a little bit about about that series like what were your like thoughts going into this like what was the motivation for for wanting to tell this story so basically that came out of that promo that I had mentioned earlier. And mm. I cut that promo at a show. And then one of the wrestlers afterwards came up to me and told me how much that had hit them and how that they related to it a lot. And we went out to, uh, went out to Denny's and had a meal and talked about our mental health struggles within professional wrestling and noticed that they mirrored each other quite a bit. And then kind of from there jotted down some ideas. And that was when I thought I was maybe going to be taking that break away from wrestling. So I'd kind of set aside some time, a couple months where I wasn't taking necessarily as many bookings and stuff like that. So I had this chunk of time to do something to kind of just pitch this idea around. And then it seemed like something kind of doable. We found ourselves a director at that point. And then we're like, okay, this is like, it's lofty. So we're going to like the chances of us actually making it. Uh, we tried a couple different places to get some funding for grants and then that didn't work out. So we ended up doing an Indiegogo and somehow we were able to raise enough funds to make this, to make this film and which is something I didn't expect, but it was, uh, it was yeah. another, like one of those privileged experiences, you know what I mean? And it's something I wouldn't have got if I had not been vulnerable, if I hadn't put myself out there. And then that message has been now carried on through this web series, which is about yes, struggling with your mental health issues while trying to make it in any sort of entertainment or and kind of having those like, things that should mean more, like you think that you're going to make it to the top of the mountain and that everything's going to be sunshines at the top of the mountain. And you're like, Oh, I'm still the depressed person who didn't deal with my issues before. And now I'm at the top of the mountain and they're not going away. So yeah, it was just like another, like I said, just like that, like I said earlier, I wanted to make movies. So the idea that this movie came to me, is like, because I was vulnerable and like, and then it, it had like a, it has a cartoon rabbit in it. My favorite movie growing up was Roger Rabbit. Like it blew my mind that these opportunities that have come my way and the privileges, like I pinch myself a lot. And that's why I've got one part that's always bruised because <laughs> I just have to constantly wake myself up and realize that this is the life I've created, but also the gifts that I've been given. So yeah, check out the Weirdo Hero web series if you can. It's on YouTube. It's, it's a couple years old now, but the message stands true. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun little thing. And you get to see an animated rabbit. So how can you go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? No, like the message of it is, is one of the, honestly, is timeless in a lot of ways. It's about like, you know, really checking in with yourself and understanding these things and, and having that self-recognition about, about what you're dealing with to the point, like, you know, I don't want to like, you know, spoil the ending or anything like that, but I feel like the ending is a very like, sobering moment for for a lot of people to realize this like what is available to you in these circumstances and i I feel like it's 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 an image that we don't really see even in stories that are being told about mental health 
that to see like that moment of 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 reaching out in in a way in in the way that it's done in the series um i don't know it was just a really resolute thing to to see thank you thank you yeah it was a it was like something that i will go down like uh, if i'm laying there on my deathbed and i'm playing out moments that matter to me in my life that's definitely like a bucket list checkoff that I didn't ever expect to have happen. You know what I mean? Like I probably like, I want to be in a movie with an animated rabbit when I was like eight years old or something like <laughs> that. You know what I mean? So the idea that that kind of ridiculous wish could come true um, is yeah. Again, that privilege that we've been talking about and taking yeah. advantage of those privileges and taking in your full, like, you know, like seeing these opportunities in front of you and not letting them necessarily pass you by and doing your best with them, you know, uh, not necessarily realizing that everything's going to be perfect or even wanting everything to be perfect. The idea of just doing it and like putting it out there, because maybe even if it was one person, as cheesy as that is, and as much as we would have spent a lot of money to maybe reach one person, if we reached one person, amazing. that fucking matters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the whole point of doing this. Like, you want to reach any amount of people that you can with this message and have it resonate with them. No, exactly. I totally understand that. Um, on the opposite spectrum of that, the other project that kind of comes from this relationship between uh, performance art and pro wrestling that we're seeing now, what, okay, boom, pro wrestling. What the hell are y'all doing up in Vancouver? <laughs> Something slightly different. We're doing something different. Uh, we're, uh -huh. doing, uh, we're doing yeah, a wrestling promotion from a different perspective. There's been so much like, um, I, th I found like there was a lot of fun coming into pro professional wrestling. Then the kind of the culture just became so aggressive and angry and stuff like that, that it felt like kind of the, the testosterone got turned back up a little bit in professional wrestling, where it was more about blood and violence and guts and stuff like that. And, and there's a lot of like fun storytelling elements that kind of can get lost in those it, it, when you're hyper, when you're focused on the sport and the aggression more than necessarily the fun aspects of it. So I was fortunate enough to make some connections with a man named Max Mitchell, who's involved in the alternative comedy scene up here and has been producing shows in that avenue for the last 10 years and has a good track record for that. So when he came to me for his 40th birthday and said, I want to throw a pro wrestling show for my 40th birthday. I also want it to be a baby naming tournament. So what it was, was he had his first baby two months beforehand and it still without a middle name. So we all, every wrestler went in there defending one middle name and whatever wrestler won the tournament, that was going to be the middle name for the baby. I represented the name Harriet and that baby I'm proud to say is now Coco Harriet Mitchell. So yes, thank you. And there from you there, go. it was like such a great reaction from crossing over the comedy and the wrestling community, like you said, that trying to build that bridge between the art forms of like performance art and professional wrestling and just seeing like, oh, this is, we're one of y'all. You just weren't necessarily always coming to the party, but we've always been one of you. So, uh, and giving wrestlers another avenue to be a little bit more creative or, or just as creative as they wanna be, you know what I mean? Not putting limitations on those creativities. No, and I, and I, I can definitely say that y'all are not putting limitations on those creativities. Like just watching the announcement video on on the YouTube channel for the the, the first season, um, just even the first show, like like this phone call about calling K the Kentucky to buy a wrestling ring and bring it up here, and then having <laughs> having Abraham Lincoln wrestle 
<laughs> and become friends with Parm Singh Man. And then <laughs> just, ah, uh, it, it honestly feels like a different flavor of Hood Slam in a lot of ways. That's and, 100%. Like, Hood yeah. Slam's been a, like, I've loved Hood Slam for years. I met a chic probably 12 years ago now, and they just pitched me the idea of Hood Slam in the back of a, back of some skeezy station wagon when we were smoking a joint and I fell in love before I even like just on that stoner <laughs> conversation. And from there I became like started following them on social media and watch their rise and stuff like that. And just like the fun and freakiness and that kind of brand of anarchy that's like safe anarchy that you can get at like a punk show that you can get at a wrestling show. Uh, so yeah, I think we are definitely kind of trying to bring some of the ethos of Hood Slam into the, a little bit more of that old territory feel too. Like we're keeping it in one venue all the time, really trying to build up like a, a community and stuff like that of like people that are like coming to every single show and the shows tie into each other. So yeah, it's like more we're doing like seasons. So we're in the, the middle of season one now and we're working up to our big show at the end of the year, which is our WrestleMania, the biggest one. So yeah. <laughs> It's it just looks like so much fun in the building, honestly. Um, and obviously, like the more that you can expand pro wrestling, the more of an audience you can bring into it as well. And it really feels like that's what y'all are are doing with this right now. Um, I don't I don't know. It just it makes me want to go to Vancouver and go to a boom show, honestly. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> always, I mean, it's always the goal, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just, I love seeing these different takes, these different interpretations of what pro wrestling can be and what you can do within the confines of it and how you can break those confines as well. Like, that's what more of what pro wrestling needs right now. Well, and I don't, it's just awesome to see that, that we're starting to see more of that ha happening. So exactly. I love all the avenues, you know what I mean? And like, it's like, been said a million times but it's like ice cream everyone has their different flavor but nobody's got a right flavor of ice cream you know what i mean like so and I, sometimes i want different flavors i don't always want to go to, i don't want to go to one ice cream shop that's just tiger tiger or bubble gum or something like that i might like those flavors but i want the variety <laughs> exactly exactly variety is the spice of life yep <laughs> well randy this has been a blast to sit down and, and chat with you about this. Obviously, good luck heading into the weekend. Good luck for your birthday as well. A very a happy early birthday from us here to you. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Boom running a show the same day, like on your birthday? Yeah, that was going to be my birthday show. We had it all <laughs> set up. We made like a, a Green Bay Dookie poster that was like like a birthday invitation for me that we had designed. But uh, so yeah, that was a bit of a. It was a bit of a shakeup, but you know, like I said, I've been waiting for this return to Defy for so long. Max yeah. and you were able to work something out. We've got some, you know, how sometimes you get like when you roll with the punches with creativity, sometimes you can get given something that ends up you're like working, writing the storylines out. We're like, oh, this can work. You know what I mean? Like, oh, 100%. And that's what I love about like wrestling, and I, I feel like punk rock, and I feel like kind of like independent movies is kind of the same way where it's kind of just like what how, we've got this problem in front of us but we can fix it with creativity and mm -hmm. like belief that we can do it and then sometimes you come up with something even better that you never would have thought of without being put into those limitations so, yeah 
and the process of solving those problems can can open up completely new ways of thinking about something as well exactly like, right yeah so i don't know i love like go, going having to go over something or having to go under something at the time it sucks and i was not gonna lie and say that i wasn't a little heartbroken about how like i wanted both shows to happen i'm like can't i just be can't I just be in two places at once? Isn't that not well, for my birthday? I'm asking one thing. That's all I ask for. I put, my, put all my birthday presents into letting me be two places at once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we'll keep researching the technology for next time. I appreciate that. Yep. No, definitely. Yes. A clone Randy would be great. Yes. Oh, we would date Lord. Him, so that would be a problem. <laughs> I can only imagine a world with two Randy Myers, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be inseparable, so that would be the problem. We'd still need another one to go somewhere else. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Randy, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down today. Let everybody know where they can find you online and uh, what you got coming up, obviously, with Defy Fight Wave. We've got, yeah, Defy this this weekend. Defy, my birthday party coming up November 26th. I'm in a six-way ladder match for my Defy World Championship. And then after that, the next night, I'll be doing a comedy vinyl show, which is a half karaoke, half comedy show, where we'll have the stand-ups doing their best karaoke, which is not very good, followed by their best five minutes, which will be very good. <laughs> I love, I love it. I love the mixture so much. <laughs> be both, baby. Why be one when you can be both? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Thank you so much. My thanks once again to Randy for taking the time to sit down and chat with me today about his return to Defy, what they have going on up there with Boom Pro Wrestling. Those shows look so fun it makes like i'm not lying when i say it makes me want to uh renew i need to get my passport renewed obviously but to get up to canada and to see one of those shows up in vancouver it just looks like a blast honestly um but yeah if you're if you're in the area in the pacific northwest definitely check out uh, defy fight wave uh tomorrow night if not catch the stream um like i'll be doing <laughs> because it is sure to be a moment the first time that Randy Myers is able to stand in a, in a defy ring again when that bell rings and he gets to finally defend that championship. I can't I can't imagine what it what it's like to have a championship that in a journey to a championship like he had um and then to win it and then have the entire world shut down. <laughs> And not be not be able to wrestle in the states for for as long as as he did, but it's all right. He's coming. He's coming stateside home. Uh, it's going to be an awesome moment to see. Um, but that is going to do it for us this week on the show. Come back next week. We will be uh, sitting down with another outstanding interview. Um, also, make sure to keep voting. In the QWI Awards, the link, of course, is posted uh, on my Twitter account at WonderboyOTM, the show's Twitter account at LGBTRingPod. Um, you vote as many times as you like for as many favorites as you like. That stays open until midnight on December 6th, so you still got plenty of time to get votes in there. And I've been astounded by the response so far. Um, just in the, the two days, the first two days of the ballot was live, we got more responses and more votes than the entirety of last year's ballot. That is bewildering to me, but it also shows that, you know, so many people uh, love what, what 
we're doing here at the show, but also what all more so actually, not just also more so what all the amazing out LGBTQ talents are doing in the world of pro wrestling everywhere, not just here in the U.S., but all over the world. It's amazing to see. Um, but yeah, keep your votes coming. Again, the QWI 200 is coming December 9th is when that first portion of the list drops and we're doing it for the whole week that Friday through Thursday, 9th through the 15th. So keep your eyes there for whenever that list starts dropping. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) But until then, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. The same goes for monkeypox. And uh, if you listen to yesterday's episode, uh, you heard Casey and I's debate about um, the non-binary equivalent of the gay agenda, and it clicked as soon as I started editing the show. But there wasn't really a good place to put this in last yes, on yesterday's show. But uh, the non-binary itinerary. Bye. Give me the deal with